Welcome to the Gab Talks by the Independent Press Award. I'm your hostess, Gabby Olzak. Today, we will be chatting with author M. Timothy Murray, author of Prelude to War, Thumar Saga 3. Before becoming a writer, Timothy pursued many different careers. He studied math and science in college and is a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. Prequel is the third novel in the Thumar Saga. In addition to writing the Thumar novels, Tim has completed 40 short stories in varying degrees. He joins us from Nevada City, California, where he lives with his wife, Rana Lee Joseph, and their scrappy cat, Horley, in a house that he and his father built. That sounds like a book right there, Tim. I like that. Yeah, could be. Gre- greetings. Yeah, building houses. I built houses before I built my own, but it was a unique situation where my wife had the credit and a paid-off piece of property and I knew how to build a house. So. Wow, that's pretty special, though, to be in a house that you built yourself. I really admire that a lot. That's awesome. The only problem is most of the time you have more house than money. Uh, don't we all? Absolutely. Definitely money pits, all of them. So, Tim, Prelude is the third saga in the Thumar series. The first one was somewhat of a love story, it seems. The second one, Time Paradox, involved time travel. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Prelude seems to have a more political angle. Summarize the overall theme of the sagas for me. Well, Thumar, Thumar which is the first book, which is getting re-edited and it's going to come out with a new cover soon. Oh, great. Well, well, depending on my uh, publication, whether I can get picked up by a traditional publisher or I have to do it myself, depends on, it's going to determine the timeline. But it's an introduction to Thumar, the main characters, and what it's like to live on Thumar. It's uh, not a utopian planet because it's society is based on Victorian principles. Such as you, there's no sex before marriage and you have to have shadows, you know, or... Chaperones. Chaperones, yeah, and, and a lot of other things. There's It's a conservative society in some ways, but it's actually a more fairy and and accepting society than what we have here. Oh no, I was I was going to I wanted to continue on that. What what what, what what's so special about Thumar? What makes it unique? Well, the people live at this point in time they live to be about 250 years old and they're an enlightened society in in comparison to a lot of others where they women in minorities that are considered such on earth are not so on Thumar. They're equal to anybody. You can, out, go, you can go from sweeping the floors in the company to the president just to determine how, how much time and effort you put into your position in your career. Wow. It doesn't, you're, you're not determined by whether you're high-born or low-born or whether you have an education from Harvard or whether you have an education from a community college, it's what do you put into your life you get rewarded for. It sounds ideal. It sounds So what is the overall theme of the sagas, Tim? What would you say the overall theme is? It's the adventures of Dirac and Shisane and their and their two friends. The main protagonists, two of the main protagonists. Yes. It's their... It's their journey through 
time in years and marriage and children and many changes that did come upon Thumar and its society, and some are hard and some are not. What inspired you to come up with, to create Thumar? I know that you're a big sci-fi fan. You said that you read a lot of sci-fi books. You always have. But other than that, what inspired you to create Thumar? Well, I decided back in 1988 to write a book. And Thumar just... And its basic basic conception just popped into my brain. So I wow, but you have a very creative brain. I've been told that yes. <laughs> um, so anyhow, I I started Thumar in '88. Then I stopped it all of a sudden, and there was this lull between '88 and 2012. That's a that's a big lull there. Yeah, I was going through life lessons. You might okay. say. And it brought yeah, so you back to Thumar. Having moved several times, I lost a lot of valuable stuff. I mean, everybody does, because things disappear when you move. Definitely. So, well, one thing I did, I was looking around my files one day, and I saw that I had the original manuscript for Thumar. Wow. And I decided to get serious about it. And then you and then you so started, you started it in 2012 again. You restarted it. And then, in fact, it took you uh, five years to get it published. Well, I completed the novel in six months, the first draft. Okay. And I went through what I thought was sufficient editing, and I got on CreateSpace, and I picked a very boring cover and all of the things about the actual first book that got printed was so insufficient for the market. And my wife read some chapters and she pointed out some very obvious mistakes that some were mine and some were some oddities that Word likes to pull off when they print off. Mm -hmm. Like a half a sentence was stuck on the end of a whole sentence. So the so the editing so, process really extended the time frame. You finished it, but then the editing process seemed to take long, as it always does. Yes, it does. And in my case, it's the lack of finances that determined how long it took. Yeah, yeah. That that happens too. But that but then it was published successfully in 2017, and then you seem to be on a roll after that, Tim. Well, I had written Thumar, and shortly thereafter, I wrote. The second book, Time Paradox, and shortly after that, I wrote Prelude to War, all before 2017. That's pretty amazing. But the other two, the other two manuscripts are just sitting in the background in their first draft mm -hmm. phase. So after getting Dumar published, I went after and I edited and put out Time Paradox. Then after Time Paradox was done, I went after Prelude to War. It was called something else, but I split that manuscript in half because that manuscript was a thousand pages. Wow. So I split it in half, and Prelude to War is the first half of the original book three, and the fourth book is the second half. Well, we'll get to that. So I, I, I see that you were quoted and you said... Umar was not satisfied with being a one-book edition. It took a, on a life of its own. Uh, those are your words, Tim, and it seems that way. So do the sagas need to be read in order? Because you said it is a journey between the two protagonists. Well, Time Paradox could be read as a one-off. Okay, okay, that's good. And it, what about the other two? Prelude to War 
could be read as a one-off itself. But you need to buy the fourth book because there's an obvious split in the action at the okay. end of the book. Okay. It doesn't have the, the traditional ending because when I usually in, in end my books, I end them on a positive to know, note everyone's happy and they they go to the festival of the lights and they have fun and that's my and it's a happy ending. But yeah, whereas, I like that. I like a happy ending. Whereas Prelude to War doesn't have a happy ending. Okay, so that, that shifts a little bit. That shifts a little bit. That shifts because I end Prelude to War and I begin the the fourth book with the same character. Ah, okay. Now, I have a question for you, Tim. What is the big what if in Prelude and the other sagas? The big what, what if? Yeah, what if? Like, what if this happened or what if they did that? What is the the what if theme in these books? I never the thought big, about big, that. The big idea, the big idea behind it. Like yes. what if something in Thumar were part of our universe? What what would it be like? Oh, what if? Well, yeah. that's that's interesting because when I wrote the third book, I finished the third book before the 2016 elections. Well, okay. and in the third book, I have a politician who's very much Trumpish. I was going to ask you about that. So anyway, this this senator, some um, this particular senator, is very much a Trump. The fact he's very very much Trump-like is that when he get when he gets in a jam, he doubles down and does twice as much got him in the jam in the first place. Mm -hmm. And his connection with a syndicate agent who keeps pushing his hatred for the Endar family just makes for a real ugly situation in the end. Of course, everyone gets, everyone gets what they deserve. Don't, don't, but, no spoilers there. And well, I'm not going to spoil it, but everyone so, gets so what they you, deserve. Do you, do you, the little teaser is always good. Do you think a world like Dumar could ever exist? And is that a world that you would love to live in? I could live in that because there, before I just, right off the top of my head, there are no homeless people on Dumar mm -hmm. in general, not, not to the extent that we have it here on earth. Because a person without a home could walk into a village, a town, go into the central market and state that he's looking for work in a place to stay. And he will get many offers to work on someone's farm or in someone's factory or in someone's company and get a paid wage, living wage, have a place to stay and have food to eat. That's all he has to do is ask, say that he's willing to work and he's taken care of. <laughs> so the only reason why you would have someone who would be considered truly homeless is because they purposely chose that. Sounds like an ideal society, really. So tell us about the main protagonists. In all the three sagas, which, is there a protagonist that you connect with the most? And is that person based on anyone you know? Well, it's not based on anyone I know. I, I suppose in the beginning, I considered, probably considered Dirac and a, and a horror Dirac. Dirac is what I would want to be an alter ego of, but He's developed far beyond that. 
his his development is something beyond what any I I pictured in the beginning. You know, he goes from a seemingly regular human to I will just say he's has some special features about his DNA which he learns about later on and everyone else can learn about when they get to it and it grows from there. But what's good about Dirac is that his his importance and his abilities grow in the three books, but he always fights to maintain his humanity and his grasp on being considerate and nice and someone who thinks in peaceful methods rather than wartime thoughts. Are there any characters that you consider to be villains? Oh, yes. The Orion Syndicate. And what makes it's, that so interesting? Their task is what they do. One of the things they do is a how they destroy systems, space systems and planets. They destroy is a blow up suns, therefore causing the systems to go away with the sun. Or in the case of Bilmar, we find out that there are certain certain astronomical phenomenon that comes with suns that blow up that actually can wipe life out out on planets and entire solar systems. So, Tim, why do you think that folks find uh, science fiction to be so fascinating? I would say, in some cases, it's a, an extension of daydreams in print. No, you know how people daydream. We all all do it some some point in time. Uh, some people, science fiction is just a daydream in print. It's my daydream in print. What What is the most important element in a sci-fi novel? As a writer of three sci-fi novels now, what do you think is the most important aspect that any aspiring sci-fi novelist should include? Uh, I think they should include, no matter how violent it gets or otherwise how how the villains alarm there should be a level of humanity and a level of levity as well because in, in i also put in my books i put in scenes that are light and funny that you can laugh at mm -hmm. so that there is a level of humanity when let's just say in the lull between the action the protagonist and, and their friends have have a chat a chance to relax. It's that's fantastic advice. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice for aspiring authors. What's your favorite sci-fi book, Tim? Uh, my some of my favorite books are I like Dune. Dune's one of my favorites. Okay. What do you like? Yeah. It's world building. It builds a world in such such detail that you could actually picture being there. Mm -hmm. It's like I have. I had one of my first beta readers was a work for the police department, and he did CSI work. You know, that's he actually did that work. And wow, that's interesting. Beta, and he read the book, and one of his statements was that he felt that if he saw the characters in a room, he could recognize them. Hmm. And I'm sure that's so, what a lot of your readers feel like about your book too, the three songs. When you write a character, you need to write a character so that there's a reason that people like them or there's a reason that people don't like them. Yeah, for sure. 
And um, your main protagonist, Derek, is definitely likable. Like you said, somebody that you would want to aspire to be like. So, Tim, you also um, shared with us, and I didn't know this, that many sci-fi authors often begin their careers with short stories. And you're no different. In fact, you're a short story writer. Tell us about that. Yeah, I got into short stories after the novels, but then I decided to write short stories, you know, to keep the writing exercise going right, because they say writers should keep writing. Good exercise. Which is true. Yeah, it is true. Which is true. So I, I found that when my brain was was working, I could write a complete short story in one or two sittings. Wow. So anyway, I that's when I started. And as it ended up, I wasn't just stuck on sci-fi. Like I wrote, I have an entire series of talking animal stories. Oh, okay. Which I'm working with a friend of mine to get published as any as an ebook at this point in time. That that sounds like it'd be perfect for an ebook, yeah. And I've written science fiction short stories, and I've written a couple of horror type short stories, and, and I've I wrote one short story about the Last Supper, as is, as it's titled. Oh wow! And what what it's about is. The end of the world where where the the sun has some incredibly powerful Brona CMEs and basically destroys Earth's ability to keep life going. And so these are the last people. There's four people thrown together who would never get along in the first place if the world was normal. But because it was an abnormal situation and everyone is going to die, they just decided to say, forget this, I'm with these people, I'm accepting them the way they are. And I won't give away what goes on after that. Well, spoilers. It's good. It's such a good ending. So it's like I write that and have the talking animal stories, and then I have one where an astronaut is out on a deep space assignment and he wishes to be home for Christmas with his family. And he finds himself home with his family at Christmas for no reason all at all. Different, all different genres with your short stories, not, you know, right, right. that's great. And I understand that Thumar Saga 4 is complete. Saga 5 is in progress. Without spoilers, what can our listeners and your readers expect from, from those books? Saga 4 is the second part of, is a continuation of three in which... The political intrigue and fighting continues on Thumar. The war continues. And what happens is it all comes to a conclusion where it's not all it's it's not all roses and, and honey for either side. Mm-hmm. You know, because the good side the good side gets hit real hard in the third in the fourth book as well. So the the war will end and the conclusion of our rogue senator will happen because he's going to complete or attempt to complete his takeover of the Tumorian government. And the fourth, the, the next book is, the fifth book is, I have, I introduced a, a giant raptor in book two, Time Paradox, an eagle-like, Raptor with a forty-foot wingspan. Wow! 
And people are crazy and Tuvarians are crazy enough to ride these. Wow. As part his partners. And the fifth book is going to be about what I call the Sith, C-Y-T-H, Sith writers in their society and some of their past history and how they get along with modern Thamarian society or try not to, shall we say, because any sight of for one of any sight of one of these birds over a city would clear the city up. Wow, those sound fascinating. So is that it after Saga Five for the Thumar sagas? No, it's not. It's not. I have it's not, no, because I I've in, I've introduced all kinds of concepts that I can go off of in this books three and four. And one of them is an underwater novel. Ah, so it'll fun. be an under the an under the sea novel that takes place on and off Dumar. Wow, and, and then, Saga Five has a lot of new things going on too. Oh no, it'll have a lot of new things, but it's mainly it's going to be mainly about the giant raptors and the people that ride them. Sounds awesome. And some of their past, some of their past history, and so that. What I'm trying to do, what my concept for the third book was to open up Thumar and and part of its subcultures, so that people could so that people could delve into the history of Thumar even even deeper. And as I delved into their the subcultures, it just kept going and going and going until I hit a thousand pages. So crazy! How do you do it, Tim? It's it's pretty amazing and. Uh, it's it's impressive, I have to say. Sounds like you have a lot of fun doing it, though. I do. Well, like any writer, there's times when when I'm just like I'm on fire and I just can't write fast enough, and then there's times when I'm wondering where it all went. Yeah, I get that. So, Tim, where can folks find out more about you and the Thumar sagas? They can go to thumar1.com. I just this year had had my website 100% updated and for a while there was even regularly posted on and maintained but I'm going to get back to that as soon as I get a few things in order because I put in for some national level reviews for Prelude to War so I want to get a few of those back before I update my website again but it's it's pretty up to date it yeah looks terrific I have to say well, Tim, this was really fun. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Looking forward to uh, seeing Saga 4 and Saga 5. And it sounds like you've got a whole bunch uh, already down the pike in your mind ready to go. So we're really looking forward to that. I have that and in other novels that I have nothing to do with Dumar. Are they science fiction as well? Yeah, one... One I'm working on is on the funny, what I consider the funny side, where a, a student who graduates from college before he goes off to medical school gets a job on a space station at the Lagrange 2 orbiting Earth. But this particular space station has two sides. It has the human side and it has, it has a alien side. His first job is an assistant manager at an Ace Hardware store on the alien side of the space station hmm. and the guy cannot get a date on earth if he paid for it 
But he goes to the alien side, and he has to fight off all these aliens. Mr. Popular there. Yeah, he's, he's popular. There's reasons he's popular, but it's written, it's not, it's written in a, in a way that where his best friend is, is a three-foot ball that rolls on the ground with a single eye and a single mouth. They can move anywhere in the ball on the tiles. And floating octopuses and snakes and, you know, you name it. I'm, it, it gets weird, but it's, it's light and it's funny. So is this a work in progress, Tim? Yeah. It's, okay. it's called it's called Bucky's Bodacious Adventures. Okay. All right. So we'll look forward to that. You, I didn't see information about that on your website because I'm assuming it is a work in progress, so not out there it's yet. A work, it's, a, it's a work in progress, yeah. All right. Sounds fantastic. Well, Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. We had a lot of fun. Look forward to your next novels. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Of course. Next time on The Gab Talks, we're going to be chatting with Shelley Frome, author of Shadow of the Gypsy. This is your hostess, Gabby Olzak. Until we meet again, keep on reading. <laughs>